Aslan's Rainbow, your enlightenment-driven collective of like-souled entrepreneurs and frontier wave riders. We stoked you riding with us as we engage the deepest levels of this substrate called reality to collectively change the coding of our minds and therefore our realities. We meet on Zoom on the Saturday closest to the full moon each month to discuss all things philosophical, spiritual, psychological, scientific, entrepreneurial, and existential. Check us out on our website, which is listed below, along with our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram platforms. We'd love to have you join us live for the next one on the Zoom meeting ID of 892-3197-9853. Check the website for dates. Now let's start chowing some breadcrumbs and going down some existential rabbit holes. Aslan's Rainbow, inspiration, inspiration for transformation. transformation. Reality. Reality, what on earth is reality? Well, today happens to be a day to explore that. And we are gathering together because I think that we can do more together than we can apart. So what we're gonna do is engage through our streams, through the, the informational realm which transcends time and space, and we're gonna figure out what on earth is going on. And by the end of the session, I think we're gonna have it pretty much nailed, wrapped up in a box. Or maybe not because life always transcends boxes. So we're about to let in our international crew. It's so cool that you guys are tuning in. The time is right. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> there they are. What be up, brethren? Ziggy, you're wearing a robe there? You're wearing the American flag? No, no, this is Belarus. Belarus? Oh, yeah, man. Can you give us a little update? What's the latest situation in Belarus, bro? Well, people are not giving up. Um, people woken up that it's a lot of them and the dictator is there like a, like a bandit, basically, controlling them. And so the change will happen. I don't know which way it will go, if it's going to, you know, get good before it will be, you know, bad, but it's definitely the status quo changed. So like this guy is no longer, he does not, no longer has the mandate. He does not, no longer has the electoral vote. They, they, they announced 80%, but everybody knows it's, it's not it's like he lost. And so um, a lot of people who just, you know, um, celebrating that uh, they, they have this identity of people who want change and they want something else um, besides the same guy but when he's here. And, uh, the people discovered that there's, there's a lot of them and they all carry this flag and, you know, have this language and it's basically part of Belarusian identity, I would say. That's the largest gathering, patriotic gathering of Belarusian people in history, I would say. Jeez. So, yeah, I mean, it, it would suck if we, like, say, lose economic independence to Russia, which can happen because Russia can, like, 
demand that we introduce its rubble, its Russian rubble, its Russian currency, so that they can like help stabilize the situation. Obviously, that's not what people want, but that may be one of the like cop-out ways for the, uh, the dictator. So we'll see. You know, if that happens, that kind of sucks. But you know, whatever. I think that we still much further along in our just uh, cultural identity than we were ever. So I think, you know, it's a sad sadness because of the violence and, you know, the 1984 state, but it's also a celebration of the birth of this nation, new Belarus. That's it, man. So people have become aware of what was lying below the surface all along. Uh, and that awareness can be tumultuous and we're be. tapping into the deeps, but it's metamorphosis and metamorphosis involves mass. Yeah, yeah. So but one example, like, like, as you said, something was dormant. Like, I, I wanted to leave Belarus uh, when I was younger because, you know, I didn't feel inspired there. People were not inspiring me there. And like, people don't care very much about the environment and you know, like rude. And now these protests are happening and all of these people are the most polite people ever. They help each other when they protest, when they go on the like benches, they take the shoes off. Streets are cleaner than they are before the protest because they gather all of the trash. They have the bags uh, set up, all of this. There is not a single shot that propaganda can use tell that they created the mass and everybody is is polite and and like each other and i understand that all of this wasn't my people but it was all oppressed exactly by controlling regime and now that you appear like peeking underneath it you like see wow we have these beautiful people you're certainly a beautiful person bro. <laughs> <laughs> and looking glorious draped in those colors and a happy birthday to you for yesterday, Barry. You're a glorious oh. person yourself, bro. Thank you. Eee. I appreciate it. Birthday, Barry. Yeah, Thank we're you. moving on up in the world. We're getting younger as we grow older. I think that's the paradox of it all. You know, there is that, that curve, right? Did we talk about that before? Where you start out as a baby and, you know, basically you're pooping and peeing yourself and crying. And then you grow up as an adult. But as you get older, you go back to being a baby again. Exactly. You poop yourself and cry, and you're scared and childlike as an old person. Oh, right. In There's that a symmetry. Context here. Right. There's a symmetry to that. Do you know what I'm saying? So somewhere, yeah. somewhere in your life, you reach the middle point where after that, you are becoming more childlike. And only the children can inherit the kingdom of God. So I think that's a natural progression. We've got to become more open. We learn what everyone else is doing and we get really good at doing that. And then we recombine all of that in new ways and embrace that spirit of creativity that the children have towards the end of life. And we learn to let everything go and be open to the next transition. Do you think that's why churches, a lot of churches are tend to be older people? I think it becomes more important towards the end of life. It's like, yeah. well, I'm clearly going somewhere and so I should probably figure out what on earth this game is. <laughs> but what you said about being children of God made me think that maybe as people get older and they get more childlike, they're more receptive to the message that God is a father. Uh, because... Oh, dude, it's a beautiful thing to see God as a father, man. I saw a dad pick their kid up and carry him up the steps because he would have burnt his feet yesterday. And I thought, look, God's doing that to us. The kid doesn't even know. He feels a bit of pain, but this larger presence picks him up and takes him to where he's trying to go. 
So that submission as we get towards the end of our life, towards this larger force that guides us, not only is it beneficial, but it's essential because you, you pretty much don't have a choice. But when you talk to like young atheists, a lot of times they're kind of angry at God as the father. Like they think that this idea that somebody's in control of them and telling them what to do and punishing them, they, they, almost, they resent that. Of course, you especially know? in America where it's the land of the free and the home of the brave, but we want to yeah. do our own thing. But I think it's an interesting cycle that you start that way as a rebellious teenager, you know, and then you reach the peak of, of adulthood and then you become this, you go on the slope back down into childhood. And this time you're receptive to God as the father. Oh, you skip the crazy. rebellious teenager yeah. part, right? You just kind of yeah. go right into the... Well, you slide, you slide right through it because you know what's on the other side. You know... You know where you're going to end up, I guess, is when I think that's the symmetry of life is. We know where we're going to end up because it's where we started, but from a higher perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah I read a, a quote by uh, Joseph Campbell yesterday that said, the whole aim of life is to manifest God and God, life's whole aim is that. And so towards the end of this meeting, we'll be closer to the aim of life than we were at the beginning. And that's a beautiful thing. If you guys don't mind, I'm going to kick us off here because the minds are gathering and this is a beautiful thing and welcome brandon welcome brie grayson's trying to join what up what up hey. so what we're going to do you guys oh and bonnie's there as well we've got the next generation hey b that's okay and the dog as well we got interspecies collaboration yeah so what we're going to do today guys is grayson's busy connecting and he's going to introduce us to a different way of thinking through a zen koan we're i'm going to do a little presentation on a qr code quest that i've launched in california where they're going to have Sergey lead us on an exploration of consciousness. Super appreciate that. Grayson's going to come back in the house and is going to discuss Elon Musk's Neuralink device, which I think is pretty transformative. And then finally, Barry, who's older and younger at the same time, is going to facilitate a group chat. And we're going to discuss the things that matter to all of you guys. And the way that that works is feel free to jump in at any point and you can comment uh, on Facebook as well. And please drop your thumbs up on the video. That helps us to know that you're there as well as gets this experience out to more people. If you want to jump into this experience, click on that link, bit.ly inspiration for transformation and you can jump right in. In the group discussion section, what we're going to do is go around and if we have topics we want to discuss and get the group's wisdom on, we're going to bring those topics up briefly within like 30 seconds. And then Barry will facilitate group chats based on each of those topics so that everyone can contribute to the things that matter most to all of you guys. So just a little heads up that we can't share any copyrighted content. I would love it if you guys share your screens and stuff, but they blocked my New Moon live stream uh, because I had a little Alice in Wonderland clip and a Blink song. So no copyrighted music or videos, please. Um, if you check out the totem pole over there, we are busy constructing this longer story, this ritual in this age where we, there's no ritual, there's no predictability. We are building something new and we meet on a Saturday close to the full moon every month uh, in the space that transcends physicality and time. And we're going to have our buddy Stephen joining from England in just a few minutes as well. And so what we do is we mutually construct this totem pole, which is what we've discussed at the previous gatherings. Sometimes we do mutual art, which you can do on Zoom. I'm going to try experiment with launching all sorts of things from the Zoom integrated with the Facebook live stream. So we're going to see how that goes. Um, but in the meantime, what is, what is your guys' experience of this particular moment? I'm going to call Grayson while you guys share. What is your experience of this moment? 
I'm not sure I understand the question. Well, what is your mindset like right now? What is your take on where we are in this space-time context? It's an abstract question because abstract yeah. allows it to be an inkblot test and you can interpret it any way you want. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different layers of reality. And so some people like to have kind of like the Disney childlike layer, which is very simple. It's all about good and evil, you know, very black and white. Then there's other layers that are that tend to be like science fiction, right? It's like, it's a little more um, alternative as far as the way you view reality. It's a little more alien and interwoven with ideas and, and spaces that are a little scary. And then you go above that and it just keeps getting more and more layered based on what you can handle. Well, are you going to take us up some of those layers today, Barry? I'd like to. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. I mean, it's the least you can do since you, yeah. you've made that journey yourself yesterday. You got yeah. the next rung up the ladder. Yeah, the next wizard level. There we go. Oh, there he is, the man with the red umbrella. Hey! <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a struggle to get some internet. I'm uh, I'm currently on route to Burning Man. Are you serious? I'm, oh, Burning Man's I'm happening? In, uh, I am in Mammoth right now. <laughs> Dude, that's uh, and I've had I've had I've had coverage. I've had cell coverage the entire drive up until literally just now, and then. Uh, so he's going around looking for Wi-Fi. So I got some Wi-Fi. I'm in a parking lot of Mammoth. Dude, that's classic. Is there going to be like social distancing and masks and stuff at Burning Man, or you let down all masks at Burning Man? Lead the fifth on that one, Chief. I can't say. Uh, I just know that this year is uh, probably going to be one of the more authentic years back, like similar to how it was in the 90s. You know, there's no tickets, there's no formal infrastructure. It's just a, a bunch of people that wanted to go anyway. Yeah, I think Burning Man, I think Burning Man has been a place where there's no rules and that's the whole point. <laughs> so yeah. it would just be... Yeah, there's no rules. It's like you do what you want. So if there was rules, it's a place where it's supposed to be broken, you know, <laughs> where there's yeah. the walls are down and you're just absolutely crazy. <laughs> and I've heard that the authorities have been generally pretty accepting of people going out there. Um, you know, I don't think that they're enforcing a whole lot of stringent rules on uh, the gathers. I, I heard that there's a couple hundred people out there. Dude, so is it free? You said there's no tickets, it's free? Yeah, there's no tickets because there's no Burning Man happening this year, ostensibly. But there is a Burning Man happening this year. And uh, it's just people are doing it themselves. There's no overlying organization putting on the experience. They're just doing it themselves. You that's want to do so. it yourself. That's, that's the motto. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So I figured, you know, I for literally years, since 2016, or since 2017, <laughs> I've been saying, Burnt 2020 was my year for Burning Man. That was going to be my year. And then plans didn't exactly change, come out, but maybe they did. So I'm going to make it happen anyway. <laughs> yeah, man. Making the dreams happen, that 2020 vision. 2020 you can let us into some of that, Grace. Ready to kick off the koan for us? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, 
I wanted to share this um, this koan um, to sort of kick things off and sort of um, engage everyone in this sort of uh, the type of headspace to be thinking about the rest of the presentations to follow. And I think that you'll find that maybe for the more um, ambitious uh, pattern recognizing, uh, connecting consciousnesses among you. There might be some um, threads between the koan that can trace back into our discussions later on. Um, for those of you that are really paying attention, we'll see if we can make some of those connections. But for a brief overview of like what exactly a koan is and how they're meant to be approached, um, I would just like to put off the disclaimer that we're going to be doing it totally and completely wrong today. Um, so just uh, for any of you Zen traditionalists out there, um, just uh, don't get mad at me. But a koan is essentially, you can think of it as like a mental or spiritual puzzle. Um, they're like a little, like a, they're like a brain teaser um, where they're meant to engage in even more so than just like an analytical or intellectual um, state that are meant to engage in sort of like an unconscious kind of um, like you're supposed to wrap your head around the meaning of a koan on multiple layers there's both like the conscious analytical understanding of it like the straightforward understanding there's also like the more unconscious more lived understanding of it that can come through like meditating on on the koan or that can come from um, just like arriving at a non, um, like an understanding of the koan that cannot be expressed maybe like through words, um, which is big in, in, in Zen traditions. Um, so koans are very, they're usually pretty short, pretty pithy, um, pretty punchy. Um, and they're always sort of, they're meant to engage you and to make you think um, in a different way. Um, but traditional, um, when koans are given from uh, teacher to students, there's not a whole lot of discussion that goes along with it. You're not supposed to, the, the teacher doesn't give you any hints about what it means, and the student doesn't ask any questions of the teacher. It's more of an informal thing. But I think that it could be a lot of fun to have discussions. Um, and I don't know if, you know, we necessarily have to be bound by the rules of tradition on this. So I wanted to share um, the, it's a very, very brief koan actually. And I wanted to maybe even have some of the discussion um, be, um, maybe before we even finish the koan, maybe we'll go really off the handles with it. But, um, it essentially starts like this. There are two Zen monks, um, young initiates, young disciples, you know, they're not masters yet, and they're arguing. Uh, a, a huge chunk of the afternoon, they're arguing back and forth. They're just sitting outside in the, in the monastery by the flagpole, arguing back and forth. Very, it's getting very heated. One monk says, how can you be so obtuse? it is clear that the flag is what's moving. They're like, just looking at this waving flag on the flagpole. And when it's like, how can you say it's anything different other than the flag is moving? Just look at it. The flag is moving. Anyone can and says, no, 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 no. It's not the flag that's moving. 
it only looks like it flies to you're not really thinking about it and you're just looking at a surface level it's actually the wind that's moving the flag's not moving wind is moving and it looks like the flag is moving because of it and they're going back and forth and the other one's saying no clearly look at it the flag is moving how can you say anything else and they're going back and forth and it's getting more and more heated so before we get to the punchline at the end of the koan that's designed to make you think i wanted to get you guys thoughts on it so far um does, does anyone go in on one side or the other and the both of them are moving both of them are moving i like that let's launch a poll let's see what happens whether you can do it for their facebook live streams can you guys see that poll option one the flag is moving option two the wind is moving are you guys able to vote that's all we get is two options. Oh yeah, bro. It's du duality, man. You have to what be on the, the black or the white side. The is liberal that, or the conservative. Is that what Grayson was explaining? That there's there's only <laughs> two perspectives here? No, no, he's got a punchline, but are you um you know, it could be cool to go with either option one or option two, if for nothing else but to see whether the polls work work in Zoom integrated with Facebook live stream. Can you guys see that? Yeah. We have a vote. Cool, we'll do five more seconds. Four, three, two, one. Yeah. Share results. So the winner was that out of those two, if it had to be one of them, either the flag is moving or the wind is moving, we've got the wind moving being the, the winner. Um, yeah. Sergey said so, that. I, I abstained. I did vote. You abstained because you knew that there was a stinger coming at the end. I didn't know. So, they're going back and forth and back and forth. And finally, the head monk at the monastery sees this and goes up to both of them and, and, and hits them both in the head. He says, you, you fools. He says, you fools. It's not the wind moving, it's not the flag moving, it's your minds that are moving. Oh, and the third alternative, which is close to what's Yeah, so it's, it's, it's your minds that are moving. I thought that's very interesting. So I, I, wanna, I wanna put it forth to the group. Do you guys have thoughts on this that you wanna discuss uh, now with it? Or do you wanna kind of see, uh, take some time to digest what exactly the, the master could have meant by your, it's the mind that's moving, not the flag or the wind. Um, do you guys want to discuss your like any thoughts you might have now? Or do you want to like maybe like see if anything comes to you over the course of the rest of the presentation? Let's do a little bit of both. Let's just see if there's anything that jumps out at you guys. What are your thoughts about that? And then we'll come back to it at the end. There's a bit of an echo in your what was that, Josh? There's a bit of an echo on your phone there. Um, I think that's Brandon. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, so if people could just mute themselves when they're not sharing or if it's background noise, it Cool, man. I, I just mute you so you can listen in and then there won't be an echo because you can hear but it won't be a self-contained feedback loop. 
So, okay, yeah. Um, that that's much better. So, all right. Mm-hmm. What are your guys' thoughts about that? The wind versus the flag versus the mind. Um. Well, I think whenever I engage in thought exercises like this, what I do is look at what is the consequence of each outcome, right? So, mm. if, what is, does it make a difference to my life, whether or not the flag is moving, the wind is moving, or my mind is moving? I'm going to look at the consequence of each one, right? If the flag mm-hmm. is moving, I don't really care. It doesn't matter to me. If uh, the wind is moving, that's kind of interesting to me. But I don't really care ultimately. But if my mind is moving, that's relevant. That's highly relevant. Mm. If I'm the one that's creating the motion. So if I choose that one, it has a consequence, right? That's yeah. the way my that's the way my thought process works with any of those types of questions, whether they're paradoxes or anything that has kind of a, a duality of thought, like this or that you know, situation is I go with both. What's the consequence of each one? And then I pick the one that I like the best. Hmm. That's a very interesting approach, Barry. I like that. To me, it's a very similar idea, a question about when the tree falls in the forest and nobody hears, uh, does it really fall? So like the, here we are thinking, okay, you have this, object uh, a flag does it really exist if nobody's looking if not if, if it's not interpreted by by those two monks um, and if you want to accept the point of view of the flag itself then the flag exists because you know um, it, it observes itself as an entity that interacts with the wind and it will experience some uh, changes to its uh, construction, and so from the point of view of the of the wind, the wind is moving, um, and from 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 my point, what? Um, yeah, I would go with uh, Carl Jung saying that he said mind and matter are two sides of the same coin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's moving the mind and the matter. <laughs> So if we can change our mind and that changes the direction of the wind or the flag, um, well, that's got huge consequences. Then well, we can flip the coin. Yeah, I have a few different ways I've been thinking about that koan. I think that there's a lot of different layers to it and a lot of ways that you could th- look at it. For instance, um, I think it could be like the word moving is very interesting to me and what it means for your mind to be moving. And on, on I think, maybe a more surface level understanding of the koan could be that the monk goes and, and hits them both in the head and says, you fools, your minds are moving. And that's his way of saying like, you're in, like exactly what Barry was saying. You're engaging in an inconsequential debate. Like, what does it matter if, if the flag or the wind is moving? Like, why are your minds mo- like your minds are moving too much that you're even do- having this discussion. Like, like you, like it doesn't matter if the wind is moving or your mind or, or the flag is moving, your minds are moving knock it off like he could be saying that or he could also be saying that um it's not the wind that's moving or the flag that's moving but the mind moving is is as a way of saying that it's the mind that's constructing 
this that's reality. What I'm saying. And so it's 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 the mind that's giving you this model. So it's it's not the flag or the 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 wind that's moving because it's your mind that's creating this entire experience. And those are kind of two different approaches that I've kind of come to hold both uh, simultaneously. I've never thought of that first My option. That was brilliant. Two completely different ways of looking at what how he responded to them. Yeah, I, I straight yeah. away went for the panpsychism like thing. I mean, you you can have multiple different interpretations that are all true. Yeah. And such is life. We have multiple different truths that are all true. Yeah. And so Aslan's is the mystical lion from C.S. Lewis's Narnia series. The myth mythical Jesus character embodies logos truth, the same truth that is found in multiple religions. There can be seemingly contradictory small pictures that when you zoom out, they form a very coherent larger mosaic. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this. Let's say that you look at the flag for five seconds with a video camera, right? In five <laughs> seconds, you're going to have 120 pictures because you see 24 frames a second. So you're going to have 120 pictures in a flip book, right? Let's yeah. say I have you watch that 120 times and each time I take out one frame and replace it with a digital copy of the flag waving. At what point in those 120 viewings would you say that this is no longer a video representation of what you saw and it's now a total digital copy? Uh, beginning. How many, <laughs> I would say how many frames? How many frames have to be replaced before you say, this is not what I saw. This is a drawing. This is fake. It's probably not a linear. I, I think I've heard something like that before. Like if you change one cell in your body, at what point do you become a different person? If you yeah. change 10 cells, what if you change 100 million cells? Is there a fine yes. line where you become a different person? So maybe the same thing with time and video frames. Well, it's that's actually... why I'm talking about something non-material, right? Yeah. It's actually a famous thought experiment about a ship, right? If you replace a ship one piece at a time, is the new ship a different, yep. different ship? Or is it the same ship as you started with? It's a pattern. Yeah. It's the same as our bodies. We're literally That's different exactly. cells every seven years. So those are material. Those are material. What I'm saying is if you see something that you can't touch or feel, right? You yeah. saw it with your eyes, but the camera also got it. And I start replacing that one frame at a time. At what point is it 20%, 50%, 100%? You say, well, that is what I saw, but it's not really what I saw. It's but crazy. it was always not really what you saw. It, it is different for uh, different yeah, people. That's, that's like assigning a label to something that we observe, a picture, is what our neuronal network does. We classify stimuli that come to us in forms of pictures and assign labels from the um, informational space, the space of thoughts. And make these links so to your question when it's going to be named a different thing not the original when you're replacing well it will depend on the details of the neuronal network that's going to interpret this picture like I can't guarantee that this different people will give you the same answers they'll give you different answers that's the beauty of people right? well, well it happens with our memories right if I keep talking to you about a story in your childhood 
And every time we talk about it, I make changes to it. Eventually, you're going to remember what I told you, not what really happened. Right? And that's my analogy with the video camera. If, if I replace those pictures one at a time, then eventually I can create a whole new movie that looks kind of like what you remember, but isn't what you remember. It's what I want you to remember. Well, so so now so now what will be like um, you have two sets of observations. Uh, one is coming from the pictures that, that you are showing me now, and one is coming from, I guess, my memory. And we're trying to feed it into the model that there is one object, right? There's one thing we're talking about. And at some point, these observations will not be consistent with each other. And, and then, you know, me as an observer, I'll say, okay, I'm no longer classifying them as one and the same. They're two different things. And I don't know in what state my mind will be exactly and how the decision will be made. This is impossible to predict. Yeah. Yeah. Is there an actual external reality? Well, I think that's a lot of food for thought there, Grace. And I think it is going to tie into Sergey's presentation and probably mm -hmm. mine too. Thanks so much for kicking us off like that, dude. Yeah. So if you guys don't mind, I'm going to launch my little PowerPoint. It's pretty quick, but I just want to explain this little QR code mission that I went on up in California. Um, it's an adventure because we are, and from the beginning, as I remember, we've been working together to integrate the digital and the physical domains. And so now through COVID, that's almost more necessary than ever um, because people are disconnected in the physical domains. Um, so the opportunity is ripe. So what I'd, I have here is a little PowerPoint presentation that I'm gonna share with you. It's um, the code quest. What if it's this whole reality is like a coding and like the matrix, we can get in there and we can change up the coding. We can change up our minds so that external reality manifests in different ways. And what if, as you guys were saying, everyone has different perspectives and the combining of perspectives leads to a greater whole of truth than we can have by ourselves. So ladies and gentlemen, Code Quest. Oh yeah, can you guys see that? Yes. Okay, sick. So, we've always been doing this, so that guys check this out. Can you guys hear that? Yeah, it sounds good. Okay, I didn't know whether I clicked uh, share sound, so I'm gonna relaunch that, here we go. remember that yeah so epic, so epic. <laughs> it is like an epic dude <laughs> and there we use sergey pointing out the stars you remember that yeah I'm, I'm concerned about the use of ted logo there 
That's true. Yeah, it was supposed to be um, ideas worth spreading and we were, we were creating the new Athens, which is like a platform for spreading of ideas. But I think you're right. We can't just go ahead and say, oh, we're doing TED. Appreciate that, dude. I think we Brand, should be careful right? of that. Brand, yeah. yeah, I love the energy. It's like, I want to go on an adventure with those guys. Oh, guess what? You are. You are living yeah. that dream right now, bro. Yeah. And we're going to go, we, we're going on a virtual adventure up the California coast. So this is what I did, guys. I made these QR codes, which if you take a photo with your phone, they bring up pages on the website, which are unique to the different places that I posted these QR codes. So for instance, here's San Diego's one. It says, we love you, San Diego. We're connected to you in the now. There are frequencies beyond the visible spectrum right in your midst. Use your phone's camera to take a photo of this QR code. Open the link that pops up. It'll connect you to those who've been here before. And hmm, might they have left you a treasure and clues to find it? We might. We might have left them a treasure. And that's exactly what we did. So if they open that up on their phone, it comes to this. This is the one from Berkeley. We love you, Berkeley. Tell us what you're looking for and we'll work together to find it. So what you can do is just like in WhatsApp, you can leave a voice message of what your experience is of, of that particular place, what you're looking for. If they say that they're looking for that treasure that we've hidden, then we will release clues because I've hidden bags of, of little treasures within a, a one mile radius of where these QR codes are posted. And I've done that up and down the California coastline. This is a beautiful, a colorful and a vibrant state. And so this is me sticking these guys up in various places. That one is Santa Cruz on the top left. That's Berkeley on the bottom right. Santa Barbara on the bottom left. Check little rainbow foot spa and it's on the phone booth. So as I, as I went up the coast, we stuck one in San Diego, in San Clemente, in LA, in Santa Barbara, in Santa Cruz, in San Francisco, um, at the place Haight-Ashbury where the hippie movement originated, and then at UC Berkeley. And so near the QR codes, I stuck bags like this. So it says, keep one, give one away, leave something as a replacement in this bag. And so there's a $5 bill and they're supposed to keep a five and give a five away to someone. I think that by getting something and then giving something that fills your cup doubly and imagine the butterfly effect that that could create. And who knows what they'll put back in that bag. I mean, in some of these places, if, if people are super wealthy and they happen to find it, they could put something ridiculously cool in there. In other places where people are open-minded and creative, they could put something that's worth more than money in those bags. So I think that just integrates the digital and the physical realms in a value-giving way that I thought was kind of interesting. And so your town is yours, wherever you're watching from. And I know that this is a global community right here. If you want one of these QR codes and we could stick a little treasure in a bag, let us know if you want to inspire your town. You can email us at aslandsrainbow at yahoo.com and let's integrate the physical and the digital domains. And that's about it. What do you guys think? I love it. You think that's it? Cool. Yeah, I mean, I love the, the way QR codes to make it easier to communicate. You know what I mean? There's so many signs out there that tell you, go to this website, call this number, text yeah. us. Like, I like that you're just making it super simple. They can just point their camera at that and then boom, you have access to a conversation, right? Right, and a conversation with locals in your area because it'll be other yeah. people who are bringing up that particular QR code. Yeah. So it's kind of like a bar or like a meeting board where you can post meetings at a particular place. And stoked you're here, Chris. You also cruise up and down the California coastline. 
Yeah. So that, that's awesome, dude. We got we got a little gathering here, brethren and sister. Yeah. So thanks for that, dude. And then Sergey, it's it's all on to you, man. Let's hear about oh. consciousness. All right. Um, it's going to be a bit uh, maybe rough on the edges this presentation because um, I was uh, preoccupied. Oh. Uh, can you let me share the screen, please, Josh? And maybe I'm still sharing the music. Yeah, past few weekends I was preoccupied uh, by the events in Belarus, so it's really like uh, quickly unfolding events. So um, probably tomorrow I'll be watching it, um, the protests, and uh, we have the. Memorial Day weekend, so Monday is a day off. Yeah, we do. Um, so does it not let you share your screen, Sergey? No, host disabled attendee screen sharing. Oh, I never want to do that. Do you? I do remember how to do that, but I can't quite think of it offhand. Do any oh, of you guys know exactly how to do that? Yeah, like if you um, hover your mouse, um, the pointer over the share screen at the bottom. Yeah. Your, so there is like a triangle pointing down there, right? Yeah. You can, yeah. And then there, you, you should be uh, enable the share. You see it there? Multiple participants can share simultaneously. Let's see if that worked. Okay, that's working now. Thank By you. the way, we love rough around the edges. Life is weird. <laughs> what is reality? It's weird and we dig that. We like rough around the edges. Okay. Ooh, very interesting, Sergey. Little yin yang Taoism in the house. Yeah, I I don't really know much about this besides that there are two opposing things that are coming creating one. All right, um, so mind and consciousness, but um, starting from from really far out there, um, just thinking about what what we have achieved with uh, science and. Uh, what we can do, well, we definitely have very sophisticated models of reality that uh, predict observations uh, at, at the level of um, uh, like individual particles or in our transistors and in computers. Uh, all of this is predicted through quantum mechanics and predictions are extremely precise. Um, so we can model behavior of like small number of particles very well. However, um, as we are looking at larger systems, this approach doesn't work any, 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 anymore very well because of the butterfly effect. We, all, we just brought it up, right? <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, you, I actually just want to bring up one more thing. By the way, this guy knows what he's talking about, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sergey, the scientist. He's got a PhD in molecular biology from Cambridge University. So respect, please continue. Thank you. Well, <laughs> so my, my PhD is in molecular biology. So I'm really leaning heavily here on the pH part, the philosophy part of the PhD. It's not, it's not really- <laughs> We like that. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you, yeah. Um, so yeah, science is a, is a way for us to create predictive models, is a, is a toolbox. We create predictive models and they work very well, but really for complex systems, uh, the com computations become so um, 
uh, huge and complex that small changes in the conditions, sets of initial conditions lead to like drastically different outcomes. So nobody can really, future is really unknown. We need to work it out. We are, uh, as we are interacting with each other, we're conducting measurements and we are computing what's the most likely way that the universe will evolve. And so that's what I mean. We're moving in, into the future as we're computing it, uh, as, as we go. Uh, and, and it's impossible. Sir, I just wanna, yeah. So I just want to point out something about that I really liked about this slide, which I think may have been unintentional on your part, but um, the title, uh, did you mean the future is unknown? Because I actually really <laughs> yeah. like the future is unknown. <laughs> It shouldn't have like yeah, cool. <laughs> Well, yeah. because we always yeah. hear the future is now, and then the future is on now. Yeah, it's not <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. we don't know the future. definition of the future is that it's on now. <laughs> can I, can so I true, get, right? can I, hold on, Grayson, can I get Greek for a moment? Oh, please do. Yeah. What if you, what if you, okay, what if you reordered the N and the U, and it was the future is new now? Oh, I like that. See, what, a, what an amazing, what a brilliant typo. All right. There's no accidents, dude. There's no accidents. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so as I said, we are, we're, uh, as a physical um, objects and, and living, is everybody hearing me okay? Yes. Yes. Yeah. For some reason, like the, I, I, I stop having hearing any background, complete silence. I was just, well, I'm just that means you got the mic. We're listening. Yeah, yeah. That's your cool, cool, cool. All right. So um, as we're making these observations, uh, we are, um, you know, through eyesight, through hearing, through through touch, we um, we are measuring the the reality um, in in front of us, but the. Um, definitions, the labels of what things are, the objects, uh, those are, those are the, um, the computation that is happening in, in our brains. So we are, um, we have the neuronal network that is running in our head and it's matching high dimensional, high complexity data set of, uh, of, of, um, like many, many points, like you see on this pointillist style painting by George Seurat from uh, uh, Impressionist School in, in France. So he, he had the style where he just, you know, pixelated his picture. So you could imagine that describing position of every picture, every pixel on this picture is kind of complicated. There are too, so many objects. So our brain uh, uh, creates this uh, like, um models uh of objects so here you can talk about trees and and board and lake and it's actually kind of possible to discuss this uh describe this picture concisely conveniently so um so the way i i'm i'm, I'm thinking about it is that objects are are physical in nature um and we are um interacting with them through like physical contacts, like our body is, uh, is interacting. Even when you see something that's actually exchange of the photons going on, there is a physical interaction. And we can 
like shut our mind down and be completely present in the moment, like really move our self into the realm of this uh, reality and consciously observe the present moment. So uh, that's, that's one thing you can do. But then you, you can try to succinctly describe things that you see with, with labels. Okay, this is a cat, this is a, a bottle, and, and then you can utilize your mind to, to construct, to, to, to make predictions of what will happen in the future. And, and like basically be, be scientist in your thinking and, and, and use your uh, informational space, space of your, uh, in space of your thoughts, uh, the mind for, for making, uh, for helping you to, to move around in the world. Okay. You no, know, that painting that you just had up is a really good example of like mental illness in the sense that whenever your mind is racing, you can see the whole painting and you try and go and tell somebody, you don't understand, you're not just a blue dot, you're, you're actually the ocean and there's a tree next to the ocean and there's a sailboat. And they're like, I think we should put you in a mental hospital <laughs> uh, because they cannot see this painting and what they are as a function of the bigger picture. Cool. Yes, man. That's going to be my topic in the group discussions. So after um, these presentations, we're going to go around and bring up these topics that are passionate to us. So that's a good point, Barry. That's going to be yeah, mine. Thanks for that uh, analogy, that, that, that thought. That's cool. Um, all right. So just to kind of uh, develop this a little bit more, your brain works like a computer. Uh, we like have inputs coming in and we map these observations to some labels. And this is actually the saddest thing that happened in, the sci in, in artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence was created with a purpose for us to really understand how the mind works. We wanted to like, see if we can develop models that can solve <laughs> problems that, that human mind solves. And through this, we wanted to understand how the mind works. And so, you know, 30, 40 years into the, uh, into the artificial intelligence, we found that models that replicate how our mind works are neuronal networks that are black box in terms of interpretations themselves. So we wanted to understand how the black box of our brain works through artificial intelligence research. And we found that the best model of the black box that we have in our head is another black box that we're creating with this multi-layer neural networks that we know, you know, the, the weights on each node, but how those nodes are working together and end up with a certain classification decision that is a black box. And so we, so that's, that's an interesting thing there. Um, uh, and on that a little bit about what you mean by um, like what elements of the artificial intelligence box in that hey. there are things going on the that are not can you mute me Josh alright so, so in what point okay so um, when when we have a simple model like a like a linear like a linear model which is basically like uh governed by the slope and the intercept you like if you see that the line is not 
classifying one point as being on its left side or on its right side, you can say, well, that's because the slope coefficient is you know, not right. It's like the relationship is not strong enough. Like you can interpret this. But when we are looking at the um, uh, neuronal networks uh, that have multiple layers of individual uh, nodes, each of, on each of which has this coefficients assigned to it, it's not just like one as on the line, but multiple like coefficients are assigned on each node at each level. And then uh, they interact across the levels and um, end up at a certain decision. Uh, and we, by looking at just the nodes that we are, uh, just the weights that we assign to each node, we cannot work out what the logic is that, that brings this set of inputs to this set of outputs. What happens in the middle is a very complicated thing. Like there's a lot of bouncing around going on in this neuronal network and you cannot, like when it trains itself, it training itself, we, we cannot understand how it extracts the features. Maybe that's what the better way to say it. When you're training wow. a network, you are given a training set and then it matches it to the set of labels that you wanted to be able to extract. Like let's say find car on, on pictures. So, so we can, um, we can train neuronal network and that's a function, which is a function that we can then apply in order to classify new observations. But the, the way that that function is, is, is written, it's actually written in this neuronal network. So that neuronal network itself is, is the function and the way that function is, is trained, how it extracts, how it does the mapping is, is, un, is, is unknown. We like we cannot we cannot compute it. We cannot understand it. It's too it's too complex. Such is life. So that's like you know too many too many too many things interacting with each other. Like it's huge neural networks. I, I need like if you if we really want to, to have it, I can prepare like a whole present presentation about it. I would be interested to understand this myself. I just know that just too many objects on too many layers they interacting with each other, and then you you can't anymore like understand why a certain classification. So that's really fascinating, Sergey, because I, 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 I've heard about like the different nodes and layers of neuronal networks, um, but I had no idea that um, we were essentially programming in like the groundwork and then we like in terms of which nodes are actually connecting with which nodes in order to get from input to it output. We actually don't know what they're doing. Yeah, it trains itself. That's, that's mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know in the end how what the training did to it, that it makes uh, now results in the decisions. So that's that's the frustration, right? We started by trying to understand our brain, and then we created something that works kind of like our brain, but we don't really understand the details of how it works. Um, well, um, so either way, uh, the what's happening in our in, in our neural network is not understood, but we do end up with a, with a decision, or oh, I, I see a cat, for instance, that would be a, a classification. And so when we did this, in our, um, uh, inside of our head, what happens is that there is a link between um, what like the state your brain is right now when it observes the cat 
and this uh, uh, label that is assigned to this whole arrangement of your brain and that's the state of of seeing a cat and that's label that now exists in this informational space of thoughts that's uh that's a meme uh it not necessarily going to survive like you would have to pass this information to somebody else maybe think about it hard enough so that the state of the brain is preserved or or copy it out uh on a different uh media not just your your uh, software of your or hardware of your brain um but in that moment when you're thinking of a cat that's actually an instance of a cat object in this um of a cat class in the uh, informational space uh and it it is still connected to the where is it sorry yeah what i want to say is that these labels are are kind of real in their own right like for instance words words are uh a language are constructed from um underlining biology of our again nervous system but also all these vocal cords and, and and the sounds and utterances this is like various things from the base physical reality go into creation of um the right you know arrangement of of things that then can can be interpreted as words and despite like that sort of like dependence in the existence so one is one layer is dependent like layer of words is dependent on the underlying physical reality it has to have it in order to exist yet it has kind of existence in its own right it actually evolves like as you see here evolution of languages it's a uh, very interesting for me to look now especially in in, in terms of all this belarusian uh, revolution you can see here uh, belarusian language ukrainian and we're sitting on this branch with russian this is the slavic languages and then italian um, languages so french is actually similar to spanish so my wife is from quebec she can she can assert to it and then there's another branch, English. Who knew that English is more similar to German than it is to French? Uh, this oh. is fascinating, man. Yeah. So there is evolution happening. And this is evolution of life. There's tree of life, simplified, of course. But um, uh, evolution of genetic information. So despite this uh, words, language being completely like emergent from the base reality it has this existence in its own right in the in, in in the in the informational space and you know you can observe these beautiful trees wow dude yeah so oh. and what's interesting that the labels evolution of labels is also talking down to the physical reality it's not just like evolving by itself the languages are evolving and not really doing anything with the physical reality no there is an intimate connection as i said words are based on the reality underlying reality so when words evolve when languages evolve what happens is actually underlying matter is also evolving and it's changing as we can see here in the evolution of this hyoid bone it's it went from like this kind of rough big structure to very sophisticated uh thing that can like um be used to precisely 
stretch the vocal cords at the right tension. So that that's the evolution that was driven by evolution of like utility of language. So that that's clearly a connection between the like what's happening in the informational space and what is happening in the base reality. It goes both both ways up up and down. Wow. And what this is just a, a theory here. So uh, what uh, a thought is is that uh, the self is really provides this connection between stuff that is happening in this informational space, the thoughts, um, and all of this uh, mental models that we are making, and conscious reality. So both of the, as I said, thought is actually emergent from from the from the objective reality of of matter and um we are as carriers of it we are we are aware of the state in which the the matter of our brain is and changes in the state is that computation that is happening in our brain those are the thoughts so we are aware of both the thoughts and and all of this that is happening with them uh but also we are aware of just uh, underlying in reality without that semantic layer that that is on top of it so we can objectively look at the at the at the data and try to fit in a new model at least some of us can you know like obviously some people are really <laughs> clinging to their old models um, some of them are in power unfortunately <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this is basically the my my thought for the day that uh, the self is really like that pinnacle that kind of um, makes first the observations. So, uh, like the observing things in the in the reality and and bringing them in into existence. As we as we know, on fundamentally with a with a double slit experiment, without the observer the matter exists as an informational wave. It actually manifests itself in this interference pattern when, when you're not looking at it. That's really one day when you start looking at it, then the matter starts to exist as point objects. Uh, so, so we're doing this important jobs of like moving evolution of matter, how the universe unfolds by making observations, which is basically interacting with everything around us and we we are doing this work but also we are fitting models in our in our head and trying to give meaning to what is happening and uh this is this is the the job that it, that our mind is doing and those are those are the labels that that i that i mentioned that we're that we're creating uh and this this is like almost like a pandora box in some way because you can start really if you want explaining god through this uh as as a way of you know um us as being as looking at the universe and being eyes of the universe we are something that is helping the universe to really understand itself observe itself and understand itself so this this ideas can can be you know or as you're meditating like it doesn't always have to be like this yourself can be moved completely into the thoughts you can be completely engrossed in your thoughts and you, when you're meditating maybe you can move yourself out of the state and go more into towards the objective reality and really become one with the universe and and who knows what 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 can 
uh, be revealed to you as you're dropping this object model of your body and really perceiving your body as the part of the universe and really understanding yourself from that perspective. I think here, uh, as I said here, you know, I, I'm talking about um, like moving the arm somewhere, or maybe it was on a different slide. I was saying that uh, we, 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 we think of the observation that we want to see what we want to observe. We want to observe our arm to be up there. So, and I motivate, I focus on it and the arm is moving. This is, this is me changing, changing the reality. And I'm, I'm moving and visualizing my arm there. And the best way to do it is to utilize these muscles. And, and that's how, how, I, how I figured it out, how to do it. And as you are now um, becoming one with the universe, now you're becoming more aware of other things besides yourself, things around you, things in your environment. They can help you to um, maybe gain better intuition, to really understand where is all of this is going, the situation, this uh, the the world around you and I don't know what what other powers may be um, uh, may, may reveal themselves if we can can really be be one with the universe and really uh, perceive the the whole the whole universe not just ourselves in it oh. uh, I, I like the way you laid that out uh, I would that everything you said assumes that somebody is sober and clear-minded and you know when you're talking about objective reality you are talking about something that's hard and firm and difficult to move but when you talk about subjective reality i can change your reality in less than an hour with a lot of different chemicals yes that's right, right. very that's quickly i mean it's so flexible it's like a rubber band like bungee jumping right i could say take this pill and we're going to jump off this bridge metaphorically um, and we're going to bungee jump your mind, but you're going to come back tomorrow. You're going to still be you. You may have a few different ideas based upon our experience, but in, in vast, you know, the vast sense of your reality, everything is going to go back to normal. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, yeah. And so we have that flexibility, at least as humans, we can we can jump through realities and try them on like clothes and then decide which one we want to move to in a more objective sense yeah well you're kind of like um exploring all of the spaces a little bit more um you know consciously sort of more focused on it like you're really making it easy for you to jump around the thoughts because you're really tinkering with the biochemistry of your brain yes yes so, absolutely. and you're kind of experiencing those those uh altered states um so but they they definitely uh help you to experience because a lot of those chemicals are, are really what you know your your body produces itself so that's one thing and another thing is yeah even if it's something that is that is not produced by body um, although I would say most interesting ones are the ones that can really bind to the receptors and really act like I think like the psychedelics and absolutely yeah I mean I'm, I meant psychedelics when I'm talking about chemicals yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's really if you really want to play with reality 
you're yeah. you're focusing on psychedelics. Uh, I, everything else, you know, whether it's like alcohol, alcohol changes people's reality actually quite a bit. Absolutely, uh, we don't really know how very well. Yeah, but it's a perception. It's not the objective reality that's changing, right? There's still yeah, gra- yeah. there's still gravity. You know, they're still in a country with laws. There's all these hard and fast things. So all of a sudden, somebody who like was normally very conservative, they have some tequila, and now this guy wants to fight everybody and is dancing on the tables. And it's like, what what happened to his reality chemically in less than an hour? You know what I mean? Like that's amazing to me that we can travel that quickly. But it does end up changing the objective reality because that guy is now getting in fights or getting arrested or whatever, or even psychedelic experience will work backwards. Sergey, what was really interesting is that words and these thoughts can work down on matter and change our neural correlates. Mm. So these, these chemicals, these changing the way we think literally does change, if not objective shared reality, at least our realities. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah, well, I think this it's is, a, oh, yeah this, I just want to say like play C-boy effect. That's probably something like that, right? So you're really focusing, you're coming from your, from your mind and it's changing something in your in your biochemistry that you know changes the outcome but yeah that's that's just a thought sorry barry uh, sergey oh, uh, one thing uh, sorry barry you go i was just gonna say i think a lot of our journeys and jaunts in the subjective reality are what end up making the changes in objective reality for everyone totally. right there are some people who are not willing to go into those spaces and places it's just too scary some of us are not afraid and so we go there and we say like it's not scary to add lots of art and color to the city that's a good thing yeah you know like everybody let's do that that'll make everybody happy you know so i think those are the people that kind of drag objective reality into the future are the psychonauts yeah, and disclaimer here for anyone who's young, who's watching or whatever, psychedelics, uh, well, weed, which is a very, very mild psychedelic, literally blew my world apart and created big old mess in my life. So this is not to say that all psychedelics are good or that they're even always good, or I'm just to say, be very cautious because you're messing with the substrate of reality itself here. But yeah, Grayson, on to you, bro. Yeah, so speaking of uh, potentially any younger audience uh, watching, I want to do a shout out for any infants that are watching. Um, one infants. thing that really uh, came into my mind during Sergey's presentation, when he was talking about this sort of mental state that we can get to of, of dropping labels and, and sort of not assigning words and labels and concepts to the world and just being in this like raw state of like this raw experiential state with the world and this dropping of subject and object and self and other um, between like the objective and the subjective and dropping that duality. Um, and as saying as that's a way of connecting and becoming one with the universe and potentially receiving insights and un- a deeper understanding of the universe. My first thought was that the purest expression of that that comes to my mind is a, is a baby who has no words or labels or conceptual ideas and is just pure raw experience baby speaks of, the truth like right? their That's senses what saying, Russian. the baby speaks the truth what was that the baby yeah. speaks the baby the, speaks yeah. the truth there That's you go what they that say was in my question was, true baby baby have less shout out to the infants or more <laughs> so just can't articulate it uh, sorry grayson can you repeat the question 
Yeah, so my, my main thing that I wanted to get your thought on was that since you were positing that this kind of conscious state of consciousness can like provide increased oneness with the universe and potentially further insights, mm. do you would you think that a baby is more one with the universe or understands the universe better than we do? Mm. Or is it a, is that a different way of dropping well, labels and you I, have to you have to have the labels first to drop them to gain the insights i think there might be the prodigious prodigious son um story here prodigal you first son. need you prodigal mm -hmm. son you first need to leave and understand and then come back with understanding dude that's so deep that's exactly what Ooh, i think the fall was from the oh bree's got something to say about that <laughs> oh no <laughs> you just wanted a woot woot yeah, I just wanted to. <laughs> I, Grayson, I think the answer is no because babies are throwing temper tantrums all day, every day. So they're obviously not happy with reality, uh, and they don't know how else to vocalize <laughs> so that they want things. To no, change. I don't uh, agree. They need to scream, <laughs> scream at the top of their lungs. If you you go to a playground, okay, Barry, go to a playground where these kids and there is no judgment like race out of the picture you know there is just this purity that no matter you know there's this core just uh brilliance about children and jesus tells us to be more childlike and we get so caught up in the distraction of this world of just oh you have to look this way buy my beauty product or da -da 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 -da, and all of these layers and you know it's just no it's like I bet, you know, some people want to escape from this world through all sorts of different things, alcoholism, addicted to, you know, they say psychedelics isn't, you can't be addicted to that, but I disagree. I think there's this, um, I don't know. I just, I, I just think there's something so beautiful about be. child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Bri. Yeah, there's no judgment, yeah. but they also struggle to navigate these vehicles of flesh that they're in. Oh, it's like totally. hungry, cry. You know, angry cry. They suck yeah, at like... driving. <laughs> <laughs> you ever put an infant behind the wheel? <laughs> They're terrible. They can't even reach the, the, the pedals. <laughs> we didn't need to invent different cars, dude. I'd like to say if there are any babies uh, listening right now and you disagree <laughs> and, and you'd like to write in or join the show and explain why your understanding of the universe is, is, is more in depth and in tune with the re objective reality, please do. Babies' <laughs> lives do. matter. Babies' lives matter. <laughs> there you go. They can't hold yeah, I'll be on the streets at 5 a.m. with my poster. <laughs> oh, man, so, that's so um, interesting. It was my understanding, um, was, was Stephen going to be presenting today or could he not make it? Oh, yeah, Stephen's here, but um, he's not going to be presenting. We were going to be talking about mental health stuff, but um, we're actually going to yes. bring those up in the structured tax instead. But Stephen's going to present probably next month. Gotcha, gotcha. Steven, what's up, well, dude? I, I Can you hear us? Wanted, I just wanted a quick, I, I thought it could be an interesting little segment. First of all, uh, this is Charlotte, uh, my girlfriend. We're going, uh, we're, we're road tripping right now. Um, You're tripping up, right now? So not psychedelic tripping. Oh. <laughs> oh, I thought maybe you dropped some yeah, loads. I, I I preempted your snarkiness. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so, Charlotte, uh, Grayson's going to take you on some adventures. This is awesome. So cool that you're here. Yeah. yeah. And, then, uh, <laughs> and, and so I just wanted um, 
to have a little segment because there was a, a particular news item that, that, yes, that came yes. up this week that I really wanted to get your guys' thoughts on. Um, so I thought we could have maybe like a little existential news segment. Um, like, well, you know, what's new in existentialism this week? And I think that definitely the biggest news piece there is uh, Elon Musk's reveal of the Neuralink demo. Yeah. Um, do you, are you guys familiar with that? Do you, you guys tune in at, at all? Very familiar. What, what about you guys? I'm not as familiar with Elon's, but I'm familiar with the subject. Yeah. So um, the, the technology is basically like a, a neuronal implant that goes into your head and has little um, thread-like electrodes that go down into your cortex and can actually both record and stimulate. Um, so with the, it's like a, an entire new scalar step in technology from what it currently is. Um, now, the technology is still in its infancy. They gave a demonstration of it with pigs, just showing, showing that they could read the pig's um, like neuronal activity as it went around and smelling things. But, uh, and then they showed that when they could actually fire the electrodes and it would cause a neuronal firing for the neurons around it. So it was a proof of concept, but the applications and the implications for this technology are actually completely mind blowing um, at the higher orders of um, like this technological sophistication. So um, initially it'll just be used to treat um, certain like neuronal uh, diseases or like um, paralysis, you can get feeling back um, through like electronic uh, electrical stimulation. Um, but a lot of the longer term applications for like a highly sophisticated version of this technology are just out of this world. I'll just go through a, a few. Um, I think that one of, one of the coolest ones that Elon Musk uh, was, for him at least, one of the ones that he, he shared that he was excited about was uh, um, telepathy. Mm -hmm. So the neuronal link would be able to pick up your brain activity. So you can think of um, like an explicit thought like, um, hi, how are you doing? And like the brain uh, uh, can, like, the neural link can decode your brain activity uh, to where you, um, it can basically translate your thoughts into words and then it can wirelessly send that to somebody else's Neuralink and then it can decode that back into thoughts. So you can communicate telepathically um, through somebody with somebody else with this device. And it's not just limited to words either. Like I could think of a picture of a red fire truck and then very in your head, you could receive like, Oh, Grayson's DMing you a, a mental image. Open, and then you open in your head, you just think open, and then you get a, my image of a red fire truck that you visualize in your head. Um, and wow. this, it doesn't just end with communication either. Um, you would be able to think about the applications, say for art or music. So where we've all had, oh man, I have such a cool idea for a painting, but I'd have to go to, 
have to learn 20 years of paint and get up to the skill level to paint it. But with this, you'd be able to think of that painting and then it would just be able to beam it wirelessly to a printer that prints it out. Um, or you could think of a piece of music and it could just play it out of some speakers. Um, do you know if they have plans? You, to, I mean, it would revolutionize. Do you know if they have, yeah, do they have plans to manipulate things like seasickness, air sickness, motion sickness? Because I could see the military being all yeah, over so that. that. that is, that is a, a good application that they didn't even discuss, um, but they did discuss things like um, being able to uh, sort of, you can visualize it as a, as a dial and just dial down your depression, dial down oh. your anxiety, here, wow. and you'd be able to crank up your happiness. Or maybe you were in a particularly good mood last Tuesday, and you told the Neuralink to save this conscious state. And then maybe next Thursday, you're not really feeling it, and you want to go back to your previous saved conscious state from last Tuesday. And so you re-upload it and it just, the, the machine would then uh, send a stimulus to your brain to replicate the state it was in last Tuesday. Or maybe, you know, you have a particularly fond memory uh, with your cat from last Tuesday and you just want to go back and relive it. Well, you'd be able, Neuralink would be able to simulate like so you could see, hear, feel the memory. Um, and you'd be able to relive it. Well, if they can do, if they um, can I mean, do the, that, the if they can do things like yeah. managing complex emotional states, then anything, um, you know, that would be physiological would probably be easier to manage. Oh yeah, I mean for sure. This is a very like this is like the end term, or you know maybe not end term, but later stage of technological sophistication. Uh, I think than anywhere we're at now with the prototype but um it was sort of a proof of a concept that something like this could theoretically work and they demonstrated that the technology could both record elect could record your neuronal activity at a higher definition than previously attained and could stimulate it with a higher precision than previously attained so it was a technological leap this week um, that was unveiled um, and I mean, the, the applications are just absolutely mind blowing. And really, I wanted to um, wrap up the, at least the discussion and send it off to you guys with just um, sort of the most mind blowing statement that Elon said that, that I heard was um, where he basically said, you know, evolution gave us two main brain systems. Um, you have like the limbic system, like the inner uh, brain that's sometimes referred to as the lizard brain you know, like your amygdala, your hippocampus, a lot of the things that are involved with like emotion and, and um, less so with what we would consider to be higher order thoughts, like executive functioning, which is in the next level up the cortex. See, evolution gave us the limbic system and the cortex. Um, and then now, um, he, Elon was talking about how with the rise of artificial intelligence, that one of the biggest existential questions for our age is how humanity and artificial intelligence will coexist. And that's going to be a question that we're going to have to grapple with for the next 100 years. And so he was saying that this approach would essentially be a symbiosis. Um, and that the later stage of this application would be you have your limbic system, you have your cortex, and then you have a tertiary brain layer that is 
technological and an artificial intelligence that is existing in symbiosis with your other brain layers and that this could be used for all manner of things including like um collective uh consciousness um and like you know if you can communicate telepathically and you can beam thoughts to other people you can do that to more than just one you can have a group minds meld i mean the applications are are quite frankly difficult for us right now to even wrap our heads around i just wanted to sh shop that out to you guys what do you think about this do you think that you would get one yourself or would you not go anywhere near it i mean hesitations excitements like what are your initial thoughts on this um well there there are aspects of this that are new and cutting edge but there are other things that have been worked on for a long time right so if you're my parents are speech pathologists they've been watching videos of people with cochlear implants being attached for now going on almost three decades right and that's you know that's people who were born without the ability to hear and then have a device implanted in their head that produces electronic sound that's wired into their brain so that they can actually hear for the first time and it's very dramatic mm. right that, that's just one aspect right that's just just an auditory signal and that's like life-changing people break down and they start crying so i can't even imagine hooking in something like this that has so much more capability you know what i mean like it's going to add senses in the way yeah. that a deaf person didn't mm -hmm. know what sound was well we as humans are going to like know what the internet sounds like yeah you know yeah that's what yeah. i said can i chime in really quick yeah please um okay so i just have to give a shout out to frozen 2 um anyone who hasn't watched it go watch it Barry, I know you're going to be doing psychedelics watching it, but yeah. go watch it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so Elsa was discovering, you know, her past and everything. And she asked Olaf, oh, Olaf, what is one of the, because um, throughout the movie, he's just like spitting out facts and stuff. And one of them was, um, I can't remember. Josh, do you remember the line? Well, hold on. I'm going to look it up. It says, Advancing technology is both our savior and our doom. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, Steven had and a line like that, that. I will destroy yeah, man's machines with his machines. To, um, just make us so powerful and amazing and bring magic that has, it's going to advance just so beautifully. However, I think there's a lot of potential for harm. And so just the way we navigate this, this power is going to be, hopefully there's some really, <laughs> a level-headed like powers that be you know Brianna, i don't know you, i don't know you don't, you don't have to worry about this because none of this is going to happen but oh yay <laughs> oh, what do you oh, oh there we go all right here okay here all right go. Go, go, and then now it's you tell us yeah. why so so no, no worries there so um i think like the the left the, the so first of all please think like remember the what i was saying back that uh um the neuronal networks that we build ourselves, which are far less sophisticated than our brain, are already a black box. We wouldn't know where to find in the neuronal network <clears throat> how it makes a certain certain decision or or 
which nodes mm. to stimulate there to, to, to tweak it one, one way or, or another. So I think where we are um, close is like maybe like when you when you hear something, a word, maybe you can detect it, that that you that you are hearing and then send the sound back. I don't know how sophisticated that it can be, but maybe some some sounds. I think we can detect pretty well. Like if you are mo if you are thinking about moving an arm, just thinking. I think there's like a pretty distinct um activation in the motor cortex so that we can read and you can even like use your mind to like move the uh like a, a prosthetic arm like not as like sophisticated mo mo motions but it, it is possible there it's like pretty precisely because from certain places in the brain it just goes to stimulate basically your fingers so you can like you can read out those the outputs so we can read out the inputs like things that we hear like uh, actually the visual cortex is very complicated so the the image is 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 not just projected it's it's very 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 distorted there and it's it's decomposed into different aspects of the image so like you know motion is stored somewhere else from from like the rest so like um it's it, it's very complicated to send somebody like a like an actual picture they would have to stimulate just so many neurons like recreate the state and um, and more importantly, for the thoughts, like we actually don't know how this happens and that we're back to the problem that the process is so complicated that we just, we just don't, like, we don't know um, which, which part of, of the activity actually constitutes a, a thought. We don't know where the thought is. In fact, even the long-term memory and, and, and short-term memory, we, we don't even know the, the, is it stored in just, the synaptic size and uh, presence of synaptic connections, or is it some kind of like protein or protein modification, or is it in the RNA? I have a friend who just recently started a lab in the Trinity College London, specifically, it's, it's literally the molecular, molecular basis of the memory engram. engram. So, Certain certain things are, are possible now with a with a Susumu Tanigawa laboratory in the Broad Institute. They they can um, in, incept a memory into a mouse that uh, the fear memory. So they they can plant uh, the change change the modality. Like the the rat will change like learn association between the stimulus and and, and the reward first, and then by doing something to its brain, you can make this to be an aversive. And I think you can make it maybe back because aversive would be like, clearly like you're doing something to the brain, so everything will be aversive. But so modality of, of memory, I think it's possible to tweak now on the mouse. Like you literally have to change this, like the, the, the cell, uh, not, not by stimulating it transcranially. There we're not at the level of stimulating individual cells. But if you have a capability of stimulating individual cells, you can adjust certain, certain experiences. But um, like nitty gritty details of like decision making, I think that's just a black box right now. We need to think about it in a, in a, from a different angle maybe. Yeah, right now, but you don't think you're yeah. myopic? Yeah. Like, oh. it's just a matter of time, dude, till we figure this out. Look what we've done in the last 50 to 100 years. Give it a thousand years, oh, we're 100% going to figure this out. So, so I'd also like to... But this is, this is what I was saying in my talk, the, the, the trend went the, wrong, the other way. 
as we are we're simulating our brain, we moved away from understanding of what we're doing and moved away to those models that are called neuronal networks because they really are neurons. We're really understanding the way that the brain works by just replicating neurons. But how the neurons are organized in these neural networks uh, is not more clear to us how they are organized in the brain. We're simply replicating the architecture and letting it train itself. So I would pause it back to you of a little hypothetical about where we figure this all out without ever figuring it out. Because if we made a neuronal network that was intelligent enough mm -hmm. to understand the black box of our brain, then even though we don't understand the black box of our brain and we don't even understand the black box of the neuronal network that we created, it wouldn't matter because the neuronal network would understand the black box of our brain. Yeah, yeah. And then and the, the tertiary layer would be able to function even though as humans we have no idea how it works yeah that's an, that's an interesting point uh, how to think about those if it's the i mean that's ultimately what science is right you create something that is useful to you science doesn't really explain you what things are fundamentally so you can still do useful science with it you can still do useful applications it's just there's going to be maybe not but I'm, I'm skeptical about just possibility of it. You see, we're also saying in the future, maybe I think a lot of, a lot of this is hype. And I think Elon Musk mm -hmm. is the best person to do the hype because of his success with, uh, with rockets. And I am, I'm aware of this. And I know that the Tesla is probably bubble right now, but I just bought five more shares <laughs> after the split. So I, I own shares before the split and I bought more because I know that people, Elon Musk! And South Africa pouring money. <laughs> so so yeah, I just bought more share. Yeah, you wouldn't like to check your balance the last two days, my man. <laughs> it crashed. But don't worry. Don't no, no, no. I bought, it after. I, I bought it. So so it was the split, and then it was going up, and then it started dropping, and that's when I picked up five more. Yeah, uh, I, it, it I was think just it's right, Friday, Friday afternoon. So we'll see if it's going to. Friday afternoon is a good time to buy. It's a good time to buy. That's right. But yeah, um, Grayson, I thought you summarized that really well, dude. So I listened to the whole whatever two hour presentation by Elon and you summarized everything um, very well. I think I got a feeling this is on the level of the invention of the internet. I think it's the biggest thing since the, the internet. Slice, I was going to say the wheel, but the wheel, you can slice bread with the wheel and there's wheels in our computer too. I don't know. I, I do think that this is- Is there slice bread in our computer? Well, you can eat it. It is called an apple. I mean, you could take a bite, but then you'll make the <laughs> fall in from the Garden of Eden. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. And I do think you're right, Sergey. There's so many things to work out. We're not at the level where it's going to work, but it's well, basically turning our brains into an iPhone and connecting all yeah. the iPhones. Bro, so this, this the possibilities. Right? He was saying that, well, we do so much. I have my phone right here next to the computer. Like, we do so much on the phone all the time, right? Yeah. And how do we interact with it? Well, now it's the stupid face recognition, which now, okay, now it engages and here's, you know, Telegram. Now that's impressive, couldn't do yeah. that 10 years ago. The, the protests in Belarus, you know, all, all, that I'm, all that I'm looking at, but I'm just using my fingers, my thumb, and that's the limit of my speed, like just interacting, yes. interfacing. Yeah. And that's what he, he understands is a bottleneck. So he's mm -hmm, trying exactly. to do something to 
improve, made this bandwidth, you know, bigger. It's, and yeah. I think a lot of it was telepathy. It's, it's, I think it's still at this stage is just pure hype, but I think there are some useful applications for sure for treatments of like some conditions, uh, even for like mm -hmm. helping move be paralyzed people. And there is lots yeah. and lots of applications. So it's good that, you know, he is, uh, to extent he creates hype there. There is attention to this. That's, that's an important area of research. I, I agree. Uh, and we will see, you know, uh, which how far we can go into really un un unmangling that network and the in, and the chaos. Yeah, we'll see how far we can go. I, I think this conversation is a beautiful start and such vibrant stuff. I do want to give people who haven't presented a chance to talk and just to model um, for everyone else watching how this format can go for the consecutive months. What we do at this point is we move into a group discussion point where we can go around the room and if we have topics that we want to bring up, we bring it up just quickly and describe it in say 30 seconds. Barry's going to write it down. Barry's going to facilitate this section for us. And then we'll go one by one through the topics and each share. We're going to wrap this up within the next, at the most 25 minutes, but I just wanted to give other people a chance to bring up their topics and also to model for everyone watching how they can contribute in the consecutive weeks. Does that sound good for you guys? Sounds good. Cool. So you, Barry. Okay, so uh, my name is Barry. Um, so what I'd like to talk about, um, since I think you know our overarching topic is reality, and my my personal favorite topic is time travel, I would like to talk about how time travel can shape reality. Beautiful. I love to hear that. Okay, cool. How's it, guys? The name's Josh here in California, and I would like to talk about mental health diagnoses and the dream state. On to you, Sergey. Yes, uh, my name is Grace. Never mind, Grace. Listen. Yeah, <laughs> he's here to listen. Sweet. Oh, okay. Hi, um, my name is Sergey. I uh, would like to talk about the reality of morals. Reality of morals. Cool, and Bree, you're next. Bree, there. You got to unmute. Sorry, I'm doing the dishes, I said. I, I can't um, read your mind yet. Very good, do it harder. Yeah, I can't read your mind No! Yet. <laughs> it's um, coming. Okay. <laughs> uh, just, I am Brie, um, Josh's wife. And um, I am fascinated, but current, like my, my passions and my, all of my thoughts go in waves, but my wave right now um, is mental health and what I'm currently struggling with and would like more thought about is my purpose on this planet. Why are we here? Like, are we here for us? Are we here for you? Or, you know, how do we combine that? Um, I don't know. I just like to hear thoughts and stuff like that just on purpose. That's great. Brilliant. Um, is that everybody or is there anybody else? Uh... Chris said he's tuning back in later. Steven said later. So I think we're good to go with that. Good. All right. Is there anybody that has a burning desire to go first? Maybe we could go with Brie first since she hasn't given a presentation, if that's good with you. Yeah, I like it. I like the topic too. Sweet. The purpose of life. What am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> the question is, I, what am I supposed I to be doing? Yeah. <laughs> I have a question for you, Brie. Um, and that's just because, I mean, you all know that I'm nihilist, but I would like to ask you the question of um, 
would you entertain the idea that that's the wrong question or that there is no purpose or how would you like how would you feel about that being the answer i think that's probably why i'm so depressed is because you know my mind tells me there is no purpose there is no afterlife there is you know there's nothing <laughs> and so that's depressing and i i live in that on uh, yes I, I kind of convince myself that all the time and maybe that's why i'm so down you know i do wonder why why is that depressing though because i can just share my own perspective like where i do think that but i don't find it depressing interesting yeah um He's an optimistic nihilist. Maybe because, you know, I, I am an optimistic had this really nihilist, spiritual, yes. <laughs> it's because, okay, so back in 2010, um, uh, just because things didn't happen in that, like, it just like, there has to be more, like, there's this, there's this understanding that there's more, and I'm trying to put reality to the spiritual feeling, this longing, knowing that there's more, but I can't, like, mentally put it together and it's just so frustrating because they don't clash and and it's just back in 2010 when um, a friend of mine died from a shark attack and i knew he was going to die um the day before i told him he was 19 i was like so what if you die tomorrow what if you don't make it like what if, and we looked up shark attacks for hours and talked about and these were just people wow. i grew up with and and then waking up knowing that something wasn't right and everything that had happened the night before and it's just like i got the phone call from his brother saying that he died from a shark attack in santa barbara and it was just boom life-changing and it was all of this spiritual yeah. like i had a dream that he was i was trying to find him and he was leading this is a dream and he was going he's like come on come on i gotta show you something i gotta show you something let's go and we would go through tunnels and like like a McDonald's jungle gym, you know, just crawling through these tunnels. And then he goes and he goes into this like bright light, you know, and I, and then it just shuts off. I couldn't follow him anymore. And it's just things like that. I mean, like I can't settle for nothing, you know. This is an agreement. What I was saying, like if you are one. <laughs> The universe you start getting like this deeper insights into yeah. what's happening in it as a whole and maybe extract ah. information from it yeah so that's my answer so but <laughs> I, I um yeah I, I, meaning to life, and that's to see what happens in the end this is what yeah. we're confusing. we don't know we don't know yeah well, I, can I, I want to answer this question because I have an answer to this question. So, um, yes. so, first of all, the question that you're asking in society is a very youthful question because kids, teenagers, young adults are tending to look for their purpose more often than your average adult who may already have some guidance or clear path to wherever it is they want to go. So in society, it's a youthful question, but in the mental health community, it's a question of elders. There's a lot of older people that will have a crisis of faith because they don't know what their purpose is anymore. So they start asking the question just like young people. So it's a question for everybody, but I just wanted to say that in society, that question is generally viewed as a 
more innocent, younger question to be answered. Now, I'm going to read you a very quick quote from Albert Schweitzer. The purpose of human life is to serve and to show compassion and the will to help others. So when young people, when I'm on the beach and a young person and we get into a conversation, they're like, what's the, what's the meaning of life or what's the purpose of life? I say, every day I get up and I say, how can I help other people? I already know as soon as my feet hit the floor, what my purpose is, right? As soon I as I that. walk out that front door, I'm picking up a piece of trash on the ground and putting it in the trash can. I'm helping an old lady cross the street. I'm, I'm looking for ways to be useful to everyone, whether it's just sitting back and brainstorming with someone like Grayson and going like, hey, how do we make this playground more fun for kids? Mm. You know what I mean? It could be something that basic, or it could be something where somebody's like, oh my God, I'm having a really technical problem and I need help with IT work. And you know what I mean? And I hear I come running to help that. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what it is. All I know is that with my own mental health journey, when I was mm -hmm. depressed, I kept asking the question, what is my purpose on this planet? And I kept coming back to myself like I was owed something. Like the universe yeah. almost like ripped me off. You know, like I was supposed to have this epic journey and then it didn't happen. And I'm laying in bed depressed going, why am I here? Once I started turning the view outward and going, wait a second, I'm a capable human male of you know i'm still relatively young like i have something to offer this world and it may be just basic help but i'm going to help other people as my purpose as my function and then i'm going to act on the faith that everything else will fall into place yeah as i'm doing that right mm -hmm. that, i love that maximize your impact where you can do a lot and hopefully good and you know that's where the where that is that that what you can do but sometimes you find that when you're helping somebody i found certain talents that i didn't even know i had you know that mm. i would never have thought about being the purpose of my life yeah. right now i roll a giant ball up and down the beach <laughs> he's got a big He's a yeah celebrity. and i make i make a lot of kids happy but i never would have thought that that would have been something i would have done it just happened that i was trying to entertain myself and other people and create a conversation about health and well-being and it just fell into place. So that's what I'm saying, Bree. It's like, if you start helping other people, it's not going to be a long time before you start realizing what your purpose is. It's not a wow, long time. That's, that's powerful. Thanks yeah. so much, guys. Um, I, yeah. I just think it's more about the, I, I think it's about the attitude. If you go into it with an attitude, 100%, like, I really want to serve and help others, then the answer is going to happen really quick. If you wait in, yes. kind of like, I'm not sure about this, then it may take longer to figure out. So I think it's all about your attitude. Yeah, and I've just so shared a screen share that's exactly in line with that. I think it's such a good question, Brie, and it's a question that we all ask ourselves, and that's probably why we're here. And so this is Maslow. Um, we're taught this in psychology. They call it Maslow's hierarchy of needs or Maslow's self-actualization theory, which actually Maslow put a layer above self-actualization, which is self-transcendence. So we, we, we beginning, in this chat, we spoke about how life can be a circle or a graph. We come, we learn what everyone else is doing. We kind of build up this ego construction and at the end, we let that go. And so there comes a point where once we are able to, you know, step beyond ourselves and go into self-transcendence, we open ourselves up to all the possibility. 
um, that life can offer. And, and the, this thirst for individual, like what is my individual mission becomes a part of a much larger story. So I really like Maslow's thought in, in answer to that question. And, and I, Josh, I prefer calling it the hierarchy of needs because yeah. of the base level. I think it's very important, especially for kids to understand the difference between a need and a want. Yeah, and, we did and that. that. That hierarchy <laughs> does a really good job. When you look at the bottom of that hierarchy, like kids, this is your needs right here, right? Like yeah. if you, this is what you need at Even this bottom level. Even though physiological. Yeah, <laughs> but everything else on the hierarchy is not critical for life support. And yeah. so I think it's an important distinction for kids to see here's the spectrum of need with 100% at the bottom and, you know, whatever percent at the top, but it's, it's a spectrum. You're right, it's a spectrum. It's even a colorful one at that. Yeah, that's why they started making it look that way. Yeah. Because you start realizing if somebody's still in the base level, I can't help them do number three and number four. You know, there's just mm. no point. You're just like, you're just pushing against gravity. You got to meet them where they're at. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. So we got about twelve minutes until we wrap up. I thought that was a really awesome topic. Thanks for bringing that up, Bri. I love yeah, your thank authenticity. You um, so it looks like we've got Sergey or Josh. Who wants to go next? Um, what about you, Barry? All right. Well, mine's really short. I just uh, wanted you to think about this as a time travel experiment. So think about a very simple living situation from a thousand years ago, right? So we're talking medieval, let's say medieval Europe. There's people are living on a certain number of acres of land and that's their world. That's their world, right? It's pretty basic. Do you think that we could replicate that today in such a way that if I physically transported someone from 1000 AD to 2020 AD, that if I did it properly, they wouldn't even realize that they had time travel. Do you think that right now we have the technology that we could create that environment for that person? Uh, well, I would use Buddhism uh, and the enlightenment of Buddha as an example, his dad, created a complete self-contained little bubble where you didn't see death or suffering or sickness. Um, so I think we could do that on a small scale, but wait until that person peeks over the wall and sees they're actually living in a different place. Yes, We've got I like that jousting thing in America where you can live in a medi you can go into a medieval world and everything within the walls is like a medieval world. But as soon as you step out of that, you know that it's part of a larger story. Yes. My point is that your world now is much more complicated. So would be much more difficult for me to replicate an entire earth that has a South Africa and Hawaii and a San Diego to fool you. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, as you go back in time, people traveled less and less. Right? Yeah. At one point, they weren't even able to cross lakes and rivers. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is with time travel, what is it to say that we couldn't be pulled into the future 10,000 years into an earth that looks just like this one and have our reality manipulated and then sent back as if we never left? So in a way like the Truman Show? 
Well, what I'm saying is I could be pausing Josh and taking him to the future and having a hundred year conversation and then coming back to now and unpausing and to everyone else in the room, it would look like Josh and I had never left. Our heartbeats never skipped a beat. Everything is going on. So you start time travel is happening to all of us on a lot of different levels simultaneously. And that's what we perceive as reality. And when we have awkward moments that make us all laugh or feel silly, that's when our timelines cross and something, something got screwed up. It's a paradox. Glitch in the matrix. Right? Parado paradoxes are funny. They're inherently funny because they go, oh, well, why would I kill my own grandfather? Why, why would yeah. I do that? Why would I test a theory by killing one of my family members? Like what? That doesn't make any sense. Not Who a would good do that? What kind of, yeah. So my grandfather would kill me because I'm the asshole. I was trying to kill him to test a theory. So he set up defenses to kill me. That's common. And that's what I say. We all start laughing because we go, oh, paradoxes are funny. You know? And so we keep moving on one second per second. But in the background, there's temporal spectrums. So Sergey and I are taking a trip across Europe 2,000 years ago. And we're talking, but we're jumping back here simultaneously to continue having this conversation in real time in the present and add to that data in the past, right? We can't add too much or we might cause, you know, time quakes or, you know, ultra paradoxes or something. So there's all these rules we have to figure out by pushing and prodding and playing. But we're manipulating reality, not only in the here and now, we're manipulating the future reality and we're manipulating past realities. And so there's like, ultimately like a fourth reality, right? There's past, present, future, and then there's everything. A super reality. Anyway, that's just something to think about. I could talk about time travel forever. Yeah, I think it's I awesome. Like what do you guys think? think? Yeah, the way I like to think about it is, um, I imagine like, uh, like a multi-dimensional object that like has all all of the possible events in in the universe that could possibly happen from from the beginning to the end. So not just like one path, like what what we experience in now, but like well, what if I took this different decision and I did something else? Well, there is like a you know um, a reality where this when this decision happened that way, and in fact, there is a lot you know a lot of such decisions. But yeah. What if we talk about it in real time so that you make the best decision possible? Well, <clears throat> do you see what I'm saying? Like move away from that abstract multi-dimensional timeline thing and realize that what if we did both at the same time, Sergey? What oh, if I'm you and I had a separate conversation and we arrived at the conclusion that the idea you had maybe wasn't the best one. Here's a better one. Let's move forward in that direction. And then we don't have to spend time thinking about all these alternate timelines that just petered out and went nowhere. We instead focus on the one we're on, which is the most dynamic, which other people are watching and participating on. And we're all moving forward in the best possible direction. Yeah, the, 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 the reason for, to think about the, this parallel realities is, is because it's helpful to explain the the collapse of the wave function. In this parallel universe, the wave function doesn't really collapse. It still exists in all of its forms. 
and you were just an observer you're like traveling through the space and you were seeing you know what what the most likely thing to see or you can like use your free wheel your your focus to to adjust your path a little bit um so so that's just a way another way of like of 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 of, of thinking about about it that that is helpful for explaining some some and puzzles that we have with this quantum quantum mechanics. So I'm not I'm not saying that this is the only way to think about it. And it's it's like a it's just with any any other theory, it's useful to explain some sorts of of, of observations, and that's a useful model. But um, it, we don't have like overarching models that explain all of the observations that we see, like at the small scale at large scale you know like physics like requires to have the general relativity theory and quantum mechanics and and they are incompatible with each other so it's okay to have like or not okay maybe it's not okay but that's what what happens with just theories that we have different theories that, that are useful for observing different um for explaining different sets of observations so when you are given your vision it it is maybe a useful way to to have this uh, this model of of reality, this vision, to for certain pur purposes, like you use this model to maybe achieve happiness or something something else. But you know there are other models that that may be more useful for for other purposes, like maybe explaining some observations that are, that I said. And and then sometimes those models are incompatible. Um, that's interesting gymnastics that we need to do. Well, you agree though, if we were, in outer, if we were in outer space and I had a spaceship and you had a spaceship. I agree with you, Barry. That's an interesting thought that, that could be modeled like, and that do like a, uh, a tra time travel like that. And, and where, you know, what, what's the level of evidence you need to have to really start believing. Right. And so I believe it. I mean, for me, it's, it's a communication that's constantly happening. No, it's, people I, call I, communing with God. For me, it's more of a time travel situation because exactly. I believe I yeah. believe that God supersedes a temporal boundary. Exactly. Right. It's the future so, pulling us in teleology. Yeah. yeah. So as I, you can use whatever word you want, but for me, I feel like I'm in communication with that aspect of the universe based on the trail I'm leaving, the trail I'm following, and the people that I'm interacting with while I'm on the trail. Mm -hmm. right. I'd love you to do a presentation on that and explain your experiences of doing yeah. that on a constant basis. That'd be sick. I would love to do that. But uh, does anybody else have a comment on my topic before we move on? Well, we actually only have three oh. minutes left. So. Yeah, that's right. So, Sergey, I'm going to uh, let you go ahead and take the closing comments there. And then what I'd love to do is do a little talk on mental health and the dream realm next time. Um, that would That'll be fun, uh, I think. So I, I go will, ahead. Yeah, you know, let's like re relative morals is uh, is is something that I heard you know discussed in, in various settings. Uh, it's it's basically these labels that I was talking about. Like, are it looks like they are, they are real, and um, the morals are something that it seems that different cultures are really easily in agreement on certain aspects yeah. like do not kill or do not like just distraction is something that we don't like it seems and like is there enough of the feeling that it's something that is really there for everybody and moral is not just a social construct that's that's the question 
Let me do a quick screen share here because that's the exact premise of C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. And C.S. Lewis is one of the, well, actually, he's the guy who invented Aslan, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. But he wrote a book called Mere Christianity, and that's the whole foundation that he builds on explaining why God exists. He was an atheist uh, Oxford professor, um, and then he was convinced through his study that God is real. And he says that the fact that morality exists and supersedes culture and experience and time shows that there's something in our hearts that is longing for this kind of remembrance. And it's like Brie describes, but it makes her depressed when she thinks that there's no meaning in that purpose. That is an indication that there is that meaning and purpose. So check that out. Uh, yeah. C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. Yeah. The challenge is that some people question this, right? They don't say that the, they say morality is, is, does not exist independently. So, so like, that's, that's another way of thinking about it, that it's all like, something that is good for us to do from the evolutionary perspective, like not like live in this friendly society. Although we still have hard time really understanding how, how altruism have evolved, because if it's really competition, you know, one for, for, for yourself, then, then the certain things are not, but it's a, what I'm trying to say, Josh is like that book, what you showed, it builds on it as an, as an assumption that it is morality is, is real, maybe. As a, as he I'm first saying. lays that assumption. He first lays the premises around that foundation. And I'm actually questioning this. Sociologically. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, that's, if this assumption, how much evidence we have for this assumption to, to be like a, 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 the one we can, we can rely on easily. That's a good question. I would recommend yeah. just, uh, you could probably get the first opening chapters on Google for free. Uh, just check it out and see what he, he thinks. That reminds me, I just wanted to interject this. Um, this the other day, I ran into a guy. I was doing something nice for a woman. I don't know what it was, but I did something nice. Anyway, this guy in his mask came up to me, an older man. He's like, don't you love being able to do all this anonymous giving? <laughs> he just came up to and said that? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, I get to do all this good, and now I have a mask on, and so nobody knows who I am. No. So he's wearing to... a Superman shirt, so I think we're embracing that hero mentality. No, but, but he's Fuck like, I don't, I don't have to read thank you cards or anything. You know, I just thought it was funny. I thought, like, there are people out there right now that are doing all these altruistic things because they can finally do it anonymously. Good. Yeah, uh, like, that's beautiful that those people exist. I, know, I just think it's funny that you wouldn't think that, that an environment... You would think it would be, it'd be the other way around, right? If you could see people, then people would be behaving better. That's mm. Pharisees. That's what Jesus discouraged. Don't do your good deeds in front of people for people, because then you've already got your reward. Then there's no reward from God. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, guys, the next gathering, I'd just love to initiate a screen share, is going to be on October 3rd, uh, 10-3. So, instead of 10-4, where we all agree, we're going to be ahead of time, and we're going to do 10-3. Um, so please, everyone, join, tune in. We would love to have this mutual conversation continue. Do you guys have any closing Saturday? comments? It's Is always it? a Saturday closest oh, to the full moon. So yeah, okay. that's a Saturday. Do you guys have any uh, closing comments you want to leave our crew with? Uh, I just want to say the quality of the information being presented has been increasing. Um, and, and I love to see that. And I appreciate yeah. that. I know that everyone put hard work in to to help share that knowledge and so anyway i just think as a group we should pat ourselves on the back because our i think our collective presentation is improving and i think it's important to recognize that 
Yeah, I agree. I just want to say, yeah, thank everybody for participating. I, I love all the discussions, as Barry said. I think we're really at this level where we have uh, interesting kind of uh, philosophical ideas, bouncing them around, like intersections of um, spirituality and science and all of these things. Um, very interesting space and, and, and yeah, good quality discussions. Love it. Love it. Love your guys' minds. Thank you, great, brethren and sisters, for being here. Great job, Josh, with the music and the PowerPoint. Thanks, bro. And Sergey, man, there was and no Sergei, roughness yeah. around those edges. That was very impressive. Yeah, and Grayson good. and you for facilitating. What a crew and we yeah, for the authenticity. Thank you guys so much. I think we'll it's, end with that same little intro is video. Grayson still, is Grayson still online? He's a burning man, my man. He's creating his own burning man. I was gonna tell him to extend, you know, our reach for us into Burning Man. To that he's our he's our representative, you know. It's fertile uh, ground right there, dude. Yeah. Well, I hope yeah. he gives us a full report. <laughs> yeah, and I bet he will. He'll be tuning in next time. All right. God bless you guys. Everybody Have an epic time. Later, guys. Right, that was take epic. Care, Bye, Bree. As Rainbow, inspiration for transformation, transformation, transformation.